hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Break the Cycle. I'm your host, Joshua Smith. I hope everyone is having a wonderful Monday. You guys will get through the week, I promise you, and uh, the weekend will roll back around as it normally does. Uh, but guys, we've got a great show for you tonight. I'm very, very excited. Of course, let's start off with some sponsors. We got TopLobster.com, the man, the myth, the legend, my good friend and partner on Break the Cycle, where you can get, of course, this Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself shirt that you see me wearing tonight by using BTC at checkout for a 10% discount, or you can join the Patreon, subscribe star, or become a member of this here YouTube channel under all my videos by hitting the join link where you can get into a private Discord server and get all of Top Lops's new gear up to two weeks before it goes to the general public at like a 30% discount. So if you're one of the smaller tier uh, supporters that gets into the Patreon, really, uh, you're going to be saving money uh, if you buy Top Lops gear. And of course, executive producers of the show, AnthemPlanning.com, for all your emergency and crisis planning needs. Check them out today. See what they can do for your business, home, or personal life. They're doing a wonderful job that the government has historically sucked at much cheaper and much more efficiently. Seriously, go check them out as soon as the show's over. If you own a business, I promise you it's going to be worth it. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Guys, we've got a great show for you tonight. As I said, uh, I he came on my radar maybe sometime a few months ago. Uh, some people reached out to me. I heard that he would be running for LNC at large. I found out today that he's, in my opinion, when you put out three books... You're an accomplished, you're an accomplished author, in my opinion. I don't care if you sell them all or not, uh, but you're an accomplished author. So I believe he's an accomplished author, and he's also running to be the next governor of the great state of Maine, Mr. Harrison Kemp, sir. How are you doing? I am excellent. Thanks for bringing me in, Josh. It's nice to finally chat with you. Yeah, sorry, We've... man. I know we were trying, and then I, I uh, had some issues. I was sick. Then my internet went down. It's it's just one thing after another, man. It never stops. It happens. It's the it's the age of Rona. What can you expect? You, yeah. know, it's, you have to realize anything's coming and go with the punches. Unfortunately, absolutely, absolutely. Glad to see we got some uh, some some loyal fans in the audience. Jeremy, what's going on? Uh, David Brady, what's going on, brother? Heather, Heather, what's up? I haven't seen you in a while. Craig, Derek. Uh, all right, man. Listen, you're running to be the governor of the largest state in the United States, and uh, I'm just I'm just kidding. I'm joking, but. Uh, you know, and, and you're and you running as a libertarian, and we know that's hard, and I want to get into that. But before we do that, uh, usually people on my show, they start with their story about how they came to liberty. So why don't you uh, explain how you came to the great philosophy of liberty? So I a very conservative family, and with that, I always had kind of this quasi-understanding of what liberty and freedom were because everything was couched in the Constitution. Uh, when I joined the military myself right after high school, that was still the thing. It was the constitution provides us liberty. We have to fight for that. But I never really read the constitution, never really understood what it was, what it meant, how it came to be. When I got out of the army, I started going to college, started working more, started my own business, had a little bit of free time to start looking into economics, to start looking into history and laws and I don't know, it, it was just something that fascinated me. And the more I learned, the more I realized that we don't follow any of the Constitution, like hardly any of it. Every single place you look, there are infringements on the Constitution. So then I thought about it and I was like, wait a minute, the war I went to fight in wasn't even authorized by the Constitution. The gun laws that everyone, even Republicans say, oh, well, what do you need that for anyway? Those aren't authorized by the Constitution. So I felt like I was lied to which kind of made me go dig even further. And the further I dug, the more I realized that there's an entire philosophy that is even better at promoting liberty and freedom and justice than what the Constitution ever even tried to do. 
and that was the libertarian philosophy. And you know, what I started to do after getting into economics was uh, I, I actually went through the Chicago school first. I spent As a lot of us do, buddy. A lot of us do. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, nothing against them, but they just tend to be efficiency experts for the state. And that's not really what I'm about. Right. So I made my way over to the Austrian school. And from there, it's just been been an uphill trudge, you know, been working every day, trying to learn more, trying to do more to help people be free. And that that's really that I, I got here because of economics and history. And I really felt like I was lied to. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. We share that in common. I mean, I've talked about it a ton on the show, but really the, you know, Operation Iraqi Freedom is what made me a libertarian at the end of the day that was what pushed me towards it you know i was i was only in the navy so i wasn't that cool but uh, i was on the uss constellation during the operation iraqi freedom uh we were basically our battle group was the shock and awe campaign if you're familiar i know that was a long time for you young kids watching the show uh 2003 2002 uh, a long time ago um and uh i, I kind of watched you know I, I watched us just drop bomb after bomb after bomb on baghdad and i'm going Huh, you know, that's like a big city, like where I'm from, you know, like there's people that live there, like kids and mm -hmm. and dogs and family pets and goals and dreams and aspirations and all kinds of stuff. And uh, so it, it really just kind of jaded me on on the politics in general, you know, like it, I just was like, both of these parties suck. There's no way I can support these people. And then I found Ron Paul in 2008 and that. That's a window you can't close, man. When you've been a Ron Paul guy, you know what I mean? It's it's really hard to close that window uh, afterwards. Yeah. So. Yeah, I actually didn't find Ron Paul until the last few years, probably till 2018. Oh, wow. Uh, quite a while after his latest run because I didn't really get into libertarianism until 2015. So by the time I started actually really digging in deep and looking at, all right, who are the people that you really need to listen to? Uh, it was about 2018 by the time I got there. Before sure. then, I was just always re really reading the Constitution, understanding laws, and that's kind of where I've I've tried to make my impact here in the liberty movement is with legislation. You know, I've written some books, which is cool. Some people have read them, but I wrote a bill that basically banned no knocks in the state of Maine. Yeah, you're so, the, that's right. You're the one that wrote that bill. Yeah, so that that's had real positive impacts here in our state, and that's something that it's not quantifiable. And, you know, I'm not like the bill I wrote didn't end up being the very final version that went through, which is something I knew was going to happen and was part of the plan the entire time. You know, this is something I've taught several states is you write the most libertarian piece of legislation you can. And that way, after it's been torn apart, you still have something that resembles and is at least compromising in the way of freedom. Sure, yeah, you know, it's so we, it's the Overton window uh, argument, man. You you yeah. kick the Overton window as far away as you possibly can, and then you'll get somewhere we, into the middle. Exactly. So we banned seventy five percent of no knocks, not one hundred percent like I originally planned to. We'll get there eventually. Yeah, way better than you know. not banning any of them. You know, right? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, what you know? How how are things in Maine? I mean, is it you know? Do you do you feel like you live in a pretty tyrannical state <laughs> comparatively? Well, it, comparably to other states, no, because our police aren't really enforcing anything. You know, most places you go, they don't care about masks anymore. There is no real mask mandate in place anymore, but there are vaccine mandates in place. And we're following whatever the 
uh, national CDC says we're not fighting any of that. We've got further restrictions and we've had mandates here for a long time that just recently, a few months ago, let up. So really what we're trying to do here is make it so that the governor doesn't have the authority to do any of that. And we've gotten a lot of support from a lot of people in the state who don't think the governor should have the ability to shut their life down. And furthermore, people, whether they're left or right, have come around to the idea of localization because of all this. Because the people on the left really don't want Paul LePage, who's the Republican candidate, to have the power and do stuff that uh, Janet Mills, who's our current governor, has been able to do, and vice versa for the people on the right. So just spreading that message of localization and how people in your local communities should have more say over your schools, you should have more say over how your roads are being built, how your taxes are being done, who, who gets to go to work. Nobody should be able to tell you that you can't go to work. Um, the, the Republican governor candidate here was talking about, you know, poor people need to have vaccine mandates. If you're on welfare, you should have a vaccine mandate just like working class people do. And so no matter where you look in the duopoly, you're getting more of the same. There is no compromising in the way of freedom. There's just compromise. Sure. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's 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 wild to me to see stuff. You know, I, I I moved in the middle of the country right when all this shit started going popping off. Yeah, March 2020, and I've been in Iowa the whole time, and it's it's wonderful. I mean, it's it really is, mm-hmm. has been amazing because they just really mostly just left us alone. I think we had a mass mandate for like two weeks, and uh, they put the restaurants to 50 percent for like a month, and that was it. I mean, that was the whole, that was the whole of it. And then, uh, you know, there are some businesses that are still requiring vaccines, um, but it's very, very rare. And our governor has now pushed to not let them have any state subsidies whatsoever if they're going to enforce it on their employees. Um, uh, what was the other the other big one? Um, oh, I can't remember. There was something else that she was doing right now to uh, to 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 push back on that stuff. Um but really, I mean, it's it's been probably one of the maybe we were probably the second state in the country to drop all of it. I mean, right away. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It, there's there's states like North Dakota that never had it. I mean, North Dakota just never did any of it. I mean, they, they you know, there was what are you going to do? Are you going to shut down the, the one place that everyone in the state works at? You know what I mean? It's like right. there, there's like 300 people live in that state. And then Florida, I think Florida maybe we were the first, I think we even dropped any mandates at all before Florida did. So I, I think we might've been the first to drop any mandates. Um, so we were, I got really lucky. I just had my girlfriend happy to live here. I was in California, man. If I had spent the last two years in California, I don't know. I don't know that I'd be alive anymore, man. I mean, my life would have been hell, absolute hell. Um, I probably would have drank myself to death, <laughs> you know, at the very beginning of the lockdowns, you know, I like everybody, I was like, all right, this will be two weeks. Then we all go back to normal life and, Okay, this really sucks, but it's two weeks. By the time we can even do anything, it's already over. Right. You know, so I actually took that time to write my first book. I finished it during that two week time. And so I put it to good use. And then it drug on and it drug on. And there was no end in sight. There was just every month we were like, all right, is she going to sign the executive order to keep this going or not? Yeah. And so we're just sitting there on the couch, like, what's she going to do? What's she going to do? It's like Groundhog Day. Yeah, dude, we're and, like, a, we're like at day 700 of, of, of 15 days to 14 days to, to slow the spread. Right. It's crazy. And what's, what's really amazing, and Tom Woods has done a great job of, of cataloging this throughout the entire COVID pandemic, is how really it does, doesn't matter what the states do. 
there is not a big enough discrepancy between states that did massive lockdowns and states like like Florida that did very little lockdowns. And because of that, we have to kind of take pause and re-examine what we're going to do going forward. Sure. And one of the things that I plan on doing is getting rid of the certificate of need laws here that make it so that other hospitals in the state have to approve a hospital expanding or a new hospital being built. And especially in our rural areas where we don't have massive hospitals, that would have helped out during the beginning phases of the pandemic when everybody wanted to get tested. Right. You know, you send people who need to get tested to those clinics and keep keep them away from the cancer patients, away from the people with broken bones that need immediate attention. And we just didn't see any sense. We saw no common sense and we saw no one actually reacting to what the data was telling us. They were all just hiding behind their authority as the government. And we we need to stop that because it's it's not going to lead us anywhere productive. We've seen where the centralization of power leads us every single time throughout history. And, you know, America is coming up on, we're, we're an empire and we're coming up on time to expire. Everybody knows the empires have a 250 year shelf life. So if we don't do something very drastic to curb this railroad that we're on, we're, we're just gonna crash, we're gonna go off the rails. And I don't wanna see that happen in a violent way. I don't wanna see that happen in a way that leads to great starvation and leads to people having to lose all of their belongings just to buy a loaf of bread. I I don't think that's a good path for America. And I think that's why here in Maine, we're in a pretty good position because people are tired of it. And people are ready for the message of localization, taking control of their own lives, getting the government and bureaucrats especially out of their lives and out of their bodies and out of their kids' lives. And it doesn't matter what party they're in. People are ready for it. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's crazy to see, you know, over the last two years, how many people have kind of just woke up to all this stuff, man. You know what I mean? It's been, uh, it, it's actually been like a pretty white peeling experience for me personally. Cause I've been awake to the, the, the dangers of central planning and tyranny for, you know, a decade or more. And, uh, now, now I get to watch all these new people waking up going, you know, my mom, my mom asking me, Hey, you know, this, uh, this government stuff seems a little, seems a little fishy. What's going on here? You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm like, yeah, let me tell you all about it. Hey, actually watch my show, you know? And, and, uh, people are, people are starting to wake up and I, I love it, dude. Like just, it's a beautiful thing to see, man. But, um, we're going to, we're going to talk more about your gubernatorial race, uh, and, and, and what you want to do in Maine. But before we get there, let's talk about your books, man. So you got a new book out. Yeah. What's the name of it? So the new book is closing freedom sales guide for today's Liberty activist. And it, teaches you how to knock doors. It teaches you how to make phone calls, gives you templates for emails, gives you phone scripts. Uh, I go through basically everything that you need to know in order to bring more people into your party in order to handle in-person interviews, whether they're on the phone or uh, face-to-face, teach you how to talk to people at events so that way you can get them into the party, teach you how to ask for money. This is one of the hardest things for libertarians and libertarian parties across the country is asking for money. Yeah, That's why we lose is because we don't have enough money to do all of the things we need to do. So the more that you can learn to ask for money, the more that you can learn to bring people into your organization in a way that is comfortable for you, that takes into account what kind of libertarian you are, what your role within the party is, and teaches you how to find out what this person you're talking to is going to best be suited for in the movement. 
Because if somebody that you're talking to is really good at web design, but you're trying to get them to go knock doors, that might not be the best thing. But you should reach out to them about your web design candidates. And it's all these things to find out what people are actually good at. And it's much more in depth than just that, because any old person could figure out, you know, well, what do you do for work? But figuring out how to organize your teams, how to set your schedules. Uh, most people, when they sit down to work, you know, they try to just work for six to eight hours straight, take no breaks, just hustle through it. And I tried to do that when I wrote my first book, but the, the truth is it hurt. It hurt yeah. very bad, you know, just sitting in a chair all day. Yeah. Um, teach, I even give you templates for how to run your meetings. Uh, when I first came into my LP state affiliate as the vice chair, our meetings would go two and a half, three hours, and I'd feel like we'd get nothing done. And then I had spoken with Angela McArdle, and I told her about this problem. She gave me a great template to use that, that she instituted for her meetings, and we adjusted it a little bit, and now we use that, so I gave you that template to use. You know, a lot of these things are things that I've learned from other people or I learned through my sales experience. I learned through being an entrepreneur. I learned through uh, just really life experience. And so I, I think it's a great book for anyone who's trying to grow their organization. And I would tell you too that uh, with that book, one thing that you could do is easily, just very cheaply, buy the Kindle version of it, and then you have it on your phone. So if you're going door to door and you need to look at your scripts, you can do that easily without having to carry around a big old book. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's great. I I this it's funny cuz that was uh I was kind of working on a book like that, uh, a message to the modern liberty movement is what was what it was called and um but it's 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 a little it's a little different than that. I I won't talk about it right now. Someday I'll get a book out. I promise you guys. I'm working on like four of them right now because I'm ADHD, you know? So I start one yep. and I'm like I get like a chapter or two in and I'm like, "Oh, you know what? I got an idea for another book." So I start working on another book and then another book and then another book and then I'll go back and I'll bounce around in these books. So someday Y'all are going to get a book from me. I promise it's coming. Well, the, the first book, A Parasite's Paradise, I actually wrote most of that in my head in one night. I had a, a Sharpie and I was just writing on my table. I had a tile top table and I was just writing all over it. And I had lines and storylines going and character names. And uh, because that book has a lot of levels, sure. you know, as I like to say, it's got more layers than a lasagna. So just when you kind of think you understand what's going on, there's some hidden meaning or some hidden history lesson there for you. It's a, what Shane Hazel called a factional book. It's, you know, it's fact. There's a lot of real people, a lot of real events, but it's all coded in fiction, stuff that's not real, people that didn't ever really exist. But there's a double meaning to most things, and you get to meet some really awesome characters like Ludwig von Mises, uh, Thomas More, uh, Paul Krugman, so, and you get to see how all these people kind of get portrayed throughout the book. Does Krugman and, die and, at the end or? Uh, no, but, <laughs> but uh, Krugman and Prescott Bush have a special business venture. And this whole book is centered around Robert Nozick's A Tale of a Slave. Oh, nice. Where at every step, the main character gains more freedom. And it's up to you as the reader to figure out when is he actually free. And... There's just when you think he's free, okay, maybe he's free. I'll, I'll leave it at that. But the very end of the book, make sure that after you finish the book, you read the following page because if you have any questions, they will all be answered. Okay. Yeah, I, I like I said, I have that one and your new book in, in my uh, 
my cart right now on Amazon. So, and, and I will have them by the end of the week for sure. So, uh, I'll be reading them. I, I got some other books. I still got to get through. Uh, you know, people send me books a lot. Uh, I, I, you don't really think about that when you become a podcaster that people are going to be sending you books all the time. So I have like a stack of books that I need to read. Um, and, uh, it, you know, it might take me a while, but I'll get there. I promise you, uh, I do have seven kids running for vice chair of the national libertarian committee, uh, and have this show and a full-time job. And, uh, so, you know, it, it can get a little hard to read books sometimes, but, um, I, I do sit down and try to read when I can. And the thing is, there's no shortage of good books. Oh yeah. So you could sit there for every single day, every hour, never sleep, and you would never get through all the good books. Oh, of course not. And that's why I don't get offended when people don't read my books because nobody knows who I am. I don't even have good looking covers like, you know, and then people judge books by the cover. Well, I'm, I'm not an artist and I didn't have the money to get an artist to do the cover. So they're, they're cheaply made. Top lobster. So you hear that, buddy? Next time Harrison puts out a book, we need you. Or I could use you on these ones anyway. We'll talk business later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Toss the man, dude. He is the man. Absolutely. That's, that's why I don't mind. Like, I've given away more books than I've sold sure. because I just think that the message is important. And kind of one of the things I like to do, if I give you a book, I want you to then, if it's not a signed copy, if it's just a free book I gave you, then I want you to pass that along to someone else. Sure. That's That's the rule. Well, you could you could always do like uh, like Adam Kokesh did, man, with his his book Freedom. You know, he I think he printed I want to say he printed out uh, I don't know almost a million of those books or something like that. He he got all these people to throw down and donate, and he went around and did. They walked streets and put them in people's mailboxes and stuff, man. Pretty cool. Like wow. he, he didn't he never sold any copies whatsoever. I think the only time anybody paid for a copy of Freedom was during like fundraisers, and it, they were usually typically signed by Adam and several other people. You know what I mean? So it was like, yeah, he he had all these books printed up, and it, it's basically like a, oh man, kind of kind of how um, uh, Malice did his his Anarchist Handbook. Uh, he 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 was like kind of a. You know, he took stories from other uh, philosophers and put together a really easy, comprehensive like guide to read to read them, and then went around and just passed them all out. Man, really smart stuff, dude. Um, but I, I appreciate people who can sit down and focus on writing a book. It's not easy, man. I, I try to I try to explain to people that I you know I talk I talk about how, how I'm trying to write books, and it's not easy. And I'm I consider myself a writer. Like I can write. It's just writing a full book takes time and and a lot of effort. It's crazy, dude. Um, okay, so let's talk about your gubernatorial run, man. Day one. So I I, I heard you have a page that I should have read. I guess uh, if I were governor today, um, I did not get a chance to read that. I wish I could have. But day one, what do you want to do for Maine as governor? You already told me you essentially want to take the power away from yourself, especially when it comes to these mandates and stuff like that. I think that's a that's a you know a noble cause. Uh, I constantly talk. I had a almost three hour debate with Larkin Rose on um, the logical consistency of, of working in party politics as a libertarian. Um, and, and one of the things I, I stressed and could not stress enough is that our candidates in the libertarian party are not running to gain power, right? That's not what we're doing. We're trying to get into these positions of power to relinquish power. That's essentially what libertarians are trying to do. We're trying to, we're trying to take over these positions to relinquish the crown. And, uh, and, and I know that there's some people who are, you know, consider themselves libertarians or post libertarians or whatever, who say that, no, 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 we need to get power. We need to have power. But I believe in, in a, a system where we get into positions and relinquish power. But so, so what do you want to do for Maine, man? So day one, we're getting rid of any existing mandates that are still in place. 
that's kind of given. That's really what the whole campaign is about, is getting rid of all the mandates. But one other thing we're going to really focus on is cutting spending, cutting tax taxes, and what we call uh, our uh, police initiative. You know, we're, we're working on a whole police initiative, the practical police reform, as we call it. And the idea is to make it so that the police can do the job they think they signed up to do. Because as we libertarians know, police are not doing the job that they think they signed up for. And then over time, the system and the state corrupts them and they end up enforcing laws that we find morally reprehensible. So we're going to bring the police more in line with a libertarian society. We're going to bring it in line with only enforcing uh, property crimes, crimes against people, not crimes against the state. Like, oh, you were going five miles an hour over the speed limit. Yeah. Uh, you've got cocaine. None of that stuff. We're going to be focusing on people that hurt other people and take their stuff. And that's all our, sh our police should be doing, because when we focus on that, then we can focus on helping victims. We can focus on preventing violent criminals who we know are violent criminals from hurting people we know they're going to hurt. And it doesn't have to be done in a police state way. People have grown so accustomed to the state growing rather than shrinking to solve the problems that we've grown to this massive uh, police state that really recognize, or is recognizable as something you could call you know, a military. We have a standing military within all of our states. Right. And it's time to end that. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, I can't agree with you more. I mean, you know, it's and, and sometimes people kind of scoff when you say, oh, we live in a police state. But it's it's true. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you now have a federal government that's trying to tell your employer they have to force you to get an injection of something you may not want in your body. It can't get any more police state than that. Like it literally, I mean, you know, fascism is the merger of corporate power and state power. That's what, that's what Mussolini said, okay? Right. Literally, that's what fascism is. That's what a police state is. And that's what's happening. Now, and, and I agree with that. And as Mises said, though, if there are still stock markets, it's a nominally free market that's heavily regulated and influenced. But once they take the stock market away, it's just fascism. Well, and, and, you know, and we're I, think, close. I think the stock market's... You know, and in, in my opinion, the stock market is not it's not for poor people, bro. You know what I mean? Well, it's, I was going to say the way that it's regulated. Yeah. You could almost say that the stock market is highly fixed. Sure. Which means that we basically don't have a free market stock market. So do with that information what you. Yeah, want. I don't think we have a free market at all. I mean, that you know, in my own no. personal opinion, our free market, a free market is so far away from what we have that it's. Anytime somebody's like, oh, well, we got a free, mostly free market in the United States. I'm like, the fuck we do, man. It is a mess here. It is an absolute mess here. Yeah. Listen, listen, I, I made this post on Twitter. It was yesterday or today uh, where I said, you know, the, the big, big food corporations uh, lobbied and paid the government to, to tell you that you needed to ingest six to 11 servings of breads, pastas and grains every single day for two decades. Now we have the highest, the highest uh, uh, epidemic of diabetes ever in the history of history in the United States, um, and and you don't think that big pharma does the same thing? And and so you know it's these big corporations, these big companies, and this is something you know this is this is maybe not libertarian thought all the time, but these big companies are are lobbying the government, paying the government for special protections in the market. That's not free market. You know what I mean? If, if yeah, somebody's getting not. special protections from us, uh, uh, a monopoly on violence in the market, 
then it's not a free market. And it can't ne- it can never be a free market. Hi kids, do you like violence? Yeah. Are you sick to death of pussyfooting around the truth while being constantly fed lies by news and big tech tyrants? If so, then come join me, Dan Smots, on The System Is Down, where we get weird, have fun, and dig into all the dangerous taboo topics like conspiracies, politics, religion, culture, current events, and everything your family just prays you don't bring up around the Thanksgiving dinner table. And I know that reality is scary to some people, so if you're easily offended, just ignore this and go back to making cat memes or whatever. But if you're ready to change the world for the better, come join me on The System Is Down at tsidpod.com or wherever you get podcasts. That's tsidpod.com. Com because the system is down and truth is taking over. Yeah, if the government exists at all, it should be financially irresponsible to lobby them. Right. Because they wouldn't have the authority to do anything that you wanted them to do. Right. And the problem that we've gotten to now is politicians are so easily bought out. You know, like oh, yeah. Paul LePage and Janet Mills, the two people I'm going up against, both supported this giant uh, power line getting put through Maine, going from Canada down to Massachusetts, on public land, through private land, all of that. Both of them supported it. Both of them had backdoor meetings with that company. I worked on the campaign that ended up getting 60%, almost 59.7%, almost 60% of the vote that stopped it. So these people are just bought and sold. Paul LePage doesn't like our legal marijuana laws. He did everything he could to keep cannabis from getting legal here in the state of Maine, even though the state of Maine voters went out and petitioned the government and got enough signatures on voting day or excuse me, enough people to check the box on voting day that they legalized cannabis. And he didn't want to do that. So what we've seen here is that the politicians don't care what the people want. So it's time to just take their power away. Sure. If they're not going to govern, which everybody gets caught up on what the, the word government means, right? The word government is a body politic that has the consent of the governed. Well, if the people don't consent to what they're doing, it's no longer a government. It's something else. And we need to recognize that. And we either need to have a government or recognize that we don't have a government and take steps to fully eliminate it or to reform it into what we want to do. And that's what we're trying to do here in Maine, because I truly believe that going through and spreading the message through books, podcasts, the TV, political races, all of it, every single thing is important. It's an asymmetrical warfare, man. Yeah, I think it's the only way we can spread the message enough to shift the window and really cause people to go, you know what? I just, I'm not doing this anymore. I don't consent enough. And I think once we get enough people to not consent, it's just done. Once sure. we can convince people, stop sending them all your money. Stop. Just stop. Yep. I agree. It's man. over. I agree. Uh, so, I mean, what are, what are some of the other policies that you're looking at uh, in, in Maine? I mean, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you will have some powers, executive powers as a governor uh, mm-hmm. of Maine, um, and you'll be able to really change some things right away. Uh, what, what are some other policies? You know, you, you worked on a on a bill to end no-knock uh, raids, which is a beautiful thing. I think it's, you know, no-knock raids are horrendous um, uh, for, you know, they ne- they almost never turn out good. Uh, and, and when, you know, random people are being shot in their homes that wasn't even the right address, something's got to change. So that's great. I applaud that. I thank you for your work there. Um, 
and uh, and obviously the mandates they got to go right away. But wh- I mean, what are what are some other uh, what are some other things that you want to change there in uh, in Maine? So if you actually go to my website kempfermaine.com, you'll see that I've got two different spots there. I've got platform and legislative priorities. So legislative priorities is pretty much where I talk about what I want to do. Uh, I really want to pass the First Amendment Protection Act, the Second Amendment Protection Act. Those are going to make just really kind of double down on the Constitution and uh, force our state police, force our government, force everyone who gets paid with tax dollars to recognize that they have to be filmed on camera. People get to film them. Um, The government does not get to censor speech of any kind. With the Second Amendment Protection Act, we say, hey, federal government, you can have your laws. They just don't apply in Maine. Sure. We're following the Constitution as it was originally written. Uh, defend the Guard. As a veteran, defend the Guard is something that is really important to me. And I think that we need to take steps to make sure that our National Guard is always here in Maine. And, you know, you live somewhere cold. I'm sure you get a bunch of snow. Oh, yeah. We have blizzards here in Maine that knock power out for days and weeks on end. And having our National Guard here, that allows us to get through that faster. You know, people who live out in the rural communities, they can't afford to be without power for two weeks. Sure. Especially someone who's on oxygen, someone who's lower income that doesn't have all of the survival things they need. We need to make sure that we have our people here to respond to our emergencies. I agree. Sorry, my, my boy wanted to make a cameo and say hi. What's up, say, little dude? He, he had to come say goodnight, so... Say hi, Bubba. Say hi, Mateo. Hi. 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 He might wave at you. I don't know. Let's see. Can you wave? Can you wave, Bubba? Say hi. Anyways, he wanted to say hi and say goodnight to his daddy. How's it going? Oh, there he goes. There he goes. There he goes. Hi. I love you, pal. Good job. <laughs> Bye, pal. Oh, all right. No, I, I, I agree. I, you know, I think it's all good stuff. Sorry, I had to. I had to say goodnight to my son and then I daddy duties. Yeah. I, I realized, I, I realized that right when I did it, I, uh, I made the screen come up and he was there and then I was like, Oh, well, I can't go away now. He's got to say hi. Um, I'm sure he'll have his own fans one day. Well, he's going to be a football player. That's going to be his thing. So oh, good. He, he can help you guys retire. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's well, he's plan, like, right? he's like 30 pounds and he's a year old, man. He's a monster kid. Yeah. And he, uh, He's been playing with his little football, and he can already kind of throw it. And he's one, you know what I mean. I'm like, all right, maybe he'll be the, you know, maybe he'll be the next Tom Brady. You never know. Hopefully, man, you, you'll be all right. You'll you'll retire. Yeah. You'll be able to have the best podcast studio in the world. You'll be able to do anything you want. Uh, you know, that's the life. Exactly, man. I'm looking forward to it. Now he's he's a good kid, man. He's he's uh, you know, we got a lot of kids, so you, you never you never know which kid's gonna show up on camera when you're on on screen on screen with me, right. man. Um, so. So let's talk lobster, dude. Why do you guys kill so yeah. many of my, my, my friends, man? I don't understand. They are delicious with butter. <laughs> That's why. All right. If they weren't, we wouldn't eat them. They, we eat them and we ship them all over the world. People yeah. across the world love our lobster. I know. And this is, you may not know this, but there's actually a thousand mile ban on using certain equipment to fish here in in Maine within a thousand miles of the coast that does a really big damage for our lobstermen and our commercial fishermen who can't use ropes because of the right whale. Sure. And when you have to use that much more gas, you have to first off, Andrew, you're losing a thousand miles of turf. That's a lot of turf to, to lose. You need more, 
more fuel, you need more food, you need more people. It just makes it more expensive for our fishermen to continue working. Uh, but yeah, they still catch great lobster. Do you want some? Dude, I love, I love lobster. It's one of my favorite foods in the world. And I've never had Maine, like I've never had lobster in Maine. So like, Oh, come on. I know because like so like in 2017 2018 when I was campaigning for national chair uh, I did go to Connecticut that was my actually my first time ever being to New England at all and uh, I went to Connecticut and I sat down at some little roadside bar like on the highway uh, where they had their state convention and I ordered a lobster roll I was like I want to find out what the you know what's all the hype about lobster here in in the in New England you know in the northeast and um they brought me out this little, just a roll with full of lobster and then like a bowl of like melted butter. And I was like, I was like, this doesn't look like nothing. So I put, you know, I put my melted butter on my lobster. I took a bite and then it was like angels started singing. Right. Like a light shined it's down on me. And it was just, yeah, it was the, one of the best things I've ever had. And I've had lobster, you know, I'm from California. So it's like, we have lobster too, but it's nothing like the, the, the East coast lobster. No, it's not the same. You'll have to come on out. We're having our state convention soon, and then we got tons of events going on all year. So come on up to Maine. Yeah. Have some lobster. Yeah, I'm going to have to, man. You need, you need lobster, blueberries from Maine, and moxie. Those are the three things you need to do when you're here as far as food goes. Moxie? Moxie. It's a soda. It's a really old soda, and a lot of people don't like it, but it's a main staple. Huh. I'll have to check it out, man. I, yeah. you know, I try, that's, that was my thing. Cause I, you know, since 2017, I've been to like 40, 40 something States, 45 States or something, uh, traveling and Maine is actually one of the States that I have not been to, unfortunately. But, um, uh, I try to eat the regional food everywhere I went, you know what I mean? And it was like, you know, anytime I was up there in the Northeast at all seafood, that's, you know, and, uh, I'll never forget, man. I went to, I went to Rhode Island. And I was in I was in Providence with Pat Ford and a bunch of the Rhode Island libertarians. They took me to this like really cool like dive like Rhode Island New England bar, you know. And I'm looking at the menu and they're like, "Oh, put that away. You got to get stuffies," you know. And I'm like, "What the hell is a stuffy? I've never had a. St- I don't know what you're talking about. Just <laughs> order the stuffies." I was like, "All right." So I ordered the stuffies, and uh, and it was you know like the big quahog clams, and they like take the clam out and then like. They like, I don't know, chop it up, dice it up with like sausage and breadcrumbs and cheese and spices and herbs and put it back in the shell and bake it. And it was amazing. Like one of the best things I'd ever had in my life. I was like, this is amazing. So now every time, like when I was up in Boston, every place we went, I'm like, you guys got stuffies? Is there stuffies here? It's like just a Rhode Island thing, really. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. I never really liked seafood till I moved down to Georgia and I left Maine and it was a nostalgia thing. You know, I would go to a seafood restaurant and I'd be like, yeah, I want some lobster. Never really liked it. Never really ate it. I'd just sit there at Red Lobster and eat it. Sure. Like, I miss home. Yeah, they have Red Lobster here in Iowa. That's, you know, that's the thing about living in a landlocked state. The seafood is just not great, dude. Not good. Yeah. You know, coming from California, I miss, you know, like real clam chowder from from San Francisco. And, uh, you know, we have halibut and sturgeon in California. That's like the big, you know, that and shark and can't can't get that here man they don't got none of it they're like here's your cod that's been frozen for six weeks you know and you're like oh great more cod awesome thanks a lot and here's your frozen lobsters and uh but i guess they do like uh they do like uh farm raised shrimp here and um uh oysters they farm raise oysters and stuff here too so they actually have some like you know pretty cool shrimp farming 
businesses here that give you good shrimp, but the seafood's just not the same, man. Yeah. I could talk about food all day. We talk about food on the show way too, way too much. <laughs> I eat too much food, so that's why I talk about it. Me too, man. Me too, dude. I, I literally, I just got done, I just got done eating tacos right before I came down here, man. That's why, every time I get on the show, I just got done eating dinner, so I'm like burping and like hiccuping, and everybody's like, what's, what's wrong with you? I'm like, man, I always eat dinner five minutes before I get on the show, every single time. Um, so, so what are you, what are you trying to do, man? I, look, it, it takes a lot to become the governor of a state. We all know mm-hmm. that, uh, the, the cards are stacked against us as libertarians. There's, there's no doubt about it. They're always stacked against us. We got to raise money. Uh, we, we got to, we got to, you know, we got to go out and get on the ballot most of the time, which sucks. Um, and, and we got to be visible. So, so, I mean, what's your, what's your strategy here, man? How are you going to raise money? How are you going to, how are you going to get the visibility and how are you going to get the votes? Well, luckily, we've already had some connections with local media here. So we've been able to get in papers. We've been able to get on the largest conservative talk show here in the state of Maine already. Really? I had an interview with them about a week ago now, and it was great. They gave me 15, 16 minutes to talk, and they were very open to what I was saying. They didn't shoot my ideas down. They were very fair and balanced and honest with what I was saying. So I think that if we can kind of continue that that track record and really exploit those relationships that we've built over time and show them, Hey, we are good content for you. We're putting out a message people care about and we can get our message out there. Uh, Getting on shows like this will help me to really get the message out there and tell other people about what I'm doing, why it's important. And hopefully we can drum up some donations that way, because right now what we need to do is actually get 2000 signatures to get on the ballot. So we need to qualify for the ballot before we can do anything important. So we're trying to raise some money so we can bring in some help from out of state, uh, New Hampshire, Vermont, May, uh, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, those four states, we're really trying to get people to come up and help us out for a couple of weekends and get all these signatures that we need because Maine is very cold this time of year. Sure. You know, Every day it's cold and we get snow and ice and rain a few times a week, which makes it very difficult, especially when people aren't going out to these giant events like they used to do pre-COVID. So you guys don't get negative thirty cold though, do you? N- not in my part of the state. Okay, all right. Up north, further from me, they do, but not they do. Right. Okay, I was I was wondering about that because I know it gets cold in New England and Northeast, but in Iowa it gets like negative thirty cold, and it sucks. Well, keep in mind, we do have some some mountains, not very big ones, but we've got some mountains and we, I mean, we're all the way up to Canada. Sure. So we're pretty, pretty north. So yeah. yeah Canada's cold, cold, man. Canada, Canada's negative yeah. 30 cold and more for sure. The, this trucker convoy is setting out in the middle of like negative 30 degree, negative 40 degree weather every day. They're savages. Yeah. And we're here like, oh, I saw a little kid without a mask. I need a volume. You know what I mean? Like, man, we're, we're letting the people who gave us bagged milk show us up right now. It's really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, who's somebody? Oh, I used to talk about New Hampshire. Uh, I see Jess Peltier. I think that's uh pretty sure that's uh, Nolan's wife in the chat. Yeah. So, yeah. Jess Peltier. Yeah. I always say their names wrong. I'm sorry. I know it's French or something, but you guys should go help uh, Harrison get on the ballot. I actually um, co-sponsored the motion to get you guys some money from the LNC today too. So, Oh, thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to go. I, I saw 
you know, Susan Hogarth was already kind of railing against it a little bit. And, um, but I, I definitely support it. I, I, I love to give everybody that can get on the ballot money. Uh, you know what I mean? I, at this point, it's yeah. like, if we're not, if we didn't have ballot access, you should, I've said this several times over the last several years. If, if we didn't have ballot access battles to fight, uh, ballot access battles to fight, we wouldn't need an LNC. I mean, if we're, you know, if we're being honest, that's like the most important thing we do is try to get us ballot access all the time. Well, so. and here's something really interesting about Maine. So if I get on the ballot, go into the general election, all I need to do is get 5% of the general election vote. And we don't need to go out and collect signatures in 2024 to get our presidential candidate on the ballot. Right. So save we save the party tens a lot of, of thousands of yeah. dollars, even if I lose miserably. So there is an incentive for people to donate to this race, for the LP to donate to this race because it saves us money and it really is boosting our name recognition. It's boosting our email lists. It's boosting our donor lists and it's getting people fired up True. about freedom. That's something we haven't had here in a long time. Oh, it looks like, it looks like Nolan's in the chat too. He's just under a funny name. Sorry. Hi brother. Yeah. He's, he said, hi Harrison. I love you brother. Mom says we're having spaghetti on Wednesday. Hugs and kisses. PS. I can't wait until you read me bedtime stories. Love Nolan. Love you too, brother. He also will says, uh, "Will he? Will you give him kisses if if he helps you?" <laughs> it's getting real gay in my chat right now, boys. Getting real, real gay. Yes, only because we're only because we're brothers. Yeah, no one else though. I do. I I love Nolan. I I got to hang out with. Uh, I went up to New Hampshire when I was in Boston for the uh, the the state um, or the LNC meeting, and uh, I went and crashed the school board meeting at at which Nolan was arrested at the prior school board meeting for. Um, and it was, you know, Jeremy Kaufman and all the free staters and, and libertarian party of, uh, of New Hampshire there. And it got wild. In fact, they took the whole meeting to executive session and basically booted every single person out of the audience because Jeremy Kaufman stood up and said, you all have addresses. We know where you live. <laughs> and there was cops. I mean, there was like, there was like five or six cops there. Uh, it was pretty savage, man. But I got to hang out with Nolan and, and spend some time at his house. And, and man, what a great, awesome person! And his wife's great, and family's great, and the Free Staters are great. I, I, the whole, all of New England needs to adopt the Free Stater strategy. Really, I think that would be great. You just, you just take yeah. over the original America, dude. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it's a good strategy. I really like the work they've done, and they've pretty much taken over their state house. They're doing really good legislative work, and you know, it, it really sets a precedent for what can be done. Yep. No, I agree. I agree. And I, I'm a fan. I, I tell uh, Julia all the time, you know, we, we have some ties here in Iowa. Otherwise we would be in New Hampshire already. There's no doubt. It's, it's, I know it's a little more expensive than Iowa, but uh, I'm sure I, I'm sure I can make do, but yeah, we, we got a few ties here, so I can't go yet, but I, I will eventually. And yes. And I won't forget Junie, the pig. It was a wonderful pig. Nolan's got a, a backyard pig. Uh, I smoked cigarettes and I st I went to step out the door and all of a sudden this pig came out of a house and was like, rrr, rrr. I was like, whoa, that's a big black pig. I need to take a step back. Scared the shit out of me, dude. And then, uh, and then eventually I was like, I went out and fed her carrots and petted her and she was pretty cool. But, I haven't met the pig yet. I look forward to that. Yeah. You got to meet the pig. She's, she's pretty cool, man. She's a, she's a little ornery for sure. You could tell, but she wasn't like bite you ornery, but she will make a lot of noises at you. A lot of noises yeah. as most pigs will, you know? Uh, brother, so we're getting to the, we're getting, yeah, free main project. That's what I, you know, it's funny. 
four years ago when I was traveling around and I had gone to Rhode Island, I, in my speech, I had incorporated into my speech, Rhode Island has a population of less than a million people, right? Um, it would be very easy for us to move to Rhode Island and take over too. You know, the, there's a lot of states in New England like that. Maine is 1.34 million people. Yeah. Yeah. Not that many. It's Iowa, you know, and, and a lot of people don't know these flyover states here too. Iowa's, I mean, very, very small population in Iowa. And we have a big, you know, big city. Des Moines is a, is a big city. Less than a million people in the big city. You know what I mean? And that's, to me, it's crazy because where I'm from, big cities are like 5 million people. You know, right. It's wild. I mean, LA's got millions and millions and millions of people. San Francisco's got over a million people. You know what I mean? And just one and, and San Francisco's small. It looks really big on the TV and stuff, but that's really concentrated. Very, very small city. See, a big city to me is like a hundred thousand people. Oh, dude, my, my, the, 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 the <laughs> suburb that I grew up in has 190,000 people. The suburb. That, yeah. That's what we're dealing with here in Maine is like a hundred, 150,000 people. Yeah, that's wild, dude. We sh- we really should just take over all like when the Free State Project becomes so successful that nobody can penetrate New Hampshire anymore. We just start taking over all the states around it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, so we're, we're getting to the end of this thing, brother. Listen, before we go, uh, give your elevator speech. Why should people vote for you? Why should they? Uh, why should they donate to you? And where can they do these things at? Yeah, so people should really be interested in this campaign, whether you live in Maine or not because we're bringing people into the libertarian revolution. We're bringing this idea to the people. We're trying to hit every single county. We have 16 counties. We're trying to hit each of them at least five times from now to November. But in order to do that, we need to get on the ballot. If we get on the ballot, we get on the debate stage. So we have the opportunity to get a libertarian on the stage with the two old parties pointing out everything that they've done wrong that's brought us to this point and what we can do to get ourselves out of it. And whether we win the race or we lose the race, at the end of the day, we're bringing people over. We're we're getting people involved. We're getting people to understand that they don't need the government to solve their problems. They can solve them on their own. And generally speaking, it's the government that's helped cause those problems in the first place. You know, whether we look at the way that we responded to COVID, whether we look at education, inflation, it's all root, the root cause of all of it is the government. So the more that we can get the government out of the people's lives and do so in ways that really helps to make positive differences, that's how we get people over to, to the side of liberty. That's how we get people to understand that libertarian ideology is not a fringe ideology, that it's the most common sense path forward. And if you want to help me hit my goals, go to kempformain.com forward slash donate. Oh, damn. No, it's contribute. I'm sorry. Did, you mess, it, did you mess that up, dude? That's for the, yeah, I was thinking about for the LP. I always get the LPME and my and mine mixed up because I do interviews for both. So kempformain.com forward slash contribute. That'll bring you to the contribution page. Uh, donate five bucks. Every five bucks gets us a signature. So we'd really like to bring in, you know, about $10,000 in the next two weeks. That's going to put us in the position we need to be to get all of our signatures, bring those people in from out of state and put them up comfortably and buy them some dinner while they're here. And then give us enough money moving forward 
that we have a little bit of, of a war chest for events that we can go out and buy a bunch of yard signs and t-shirts and things like that. Cause it's the only way that we're going to get the name out there. Sure. Well, man, I appreciate everything you're doing, brother. I'm, I'm a, I'm definitely a fan. I'm definitely going to be reading your books. I'm definitely going to be uh, trying to get you all the help I can out there in Maine, even though I'm not there. Uh, but man, please, everyone go check out Harrison Kemp uh, for Maine. Please support him. Uh, throw him a couple of ducats if you can. Uh, it, it can make a big difference having a libertarian governor, man. There's no doubt about it. It really can. Mm-hmm. But, uh, brother, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you. Yeah, thank, thank you for having me, Josh. It was great to finally talk talk with you, and I look forward to doing it again in the future. Absolutely. We'll, we'll, when we get closer to election, we'll bring you back on and, and update. Sounds good. I'll let you know when I make the ballot. Sounds good. I love it, dude. I love it, brother. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Yep. All right, guys, another awesome episode of Break the Cycle. Harrison is so cool. Please go support the man. Listen, there's good candidates out there, okay? I promise you there's libertarians that are not uh, uh, insane wackos that want to strip on stage, uh, that want to uh, just be libertarians and support all kinds of policy that we don't support. There's good ones out there, and he's one of the good ones, so please bolster that man. Make him feel like he's doing a good thing so that he does it again, and more people like him also do it. Uh, Guys, I appreciate you coming and hanging out with me on a Monday. Uh, We're going to have a lot more shows coming up Uh, this week. Tomorrow, we have the return of Conspiracy Couch uh, with my friend Dave Casey, Adam Nutter, Dan Smots, and our special guest will be um, uh, who is coming on again, Josh Denny. Uh, If you're familiar, he's the most canceled comedian in the world. Uh, used to be on the Food Network. He he gets a lot of hate, uh, and he does not care what people think about him. So that's going to be a fun show uh, coming up on Wednesday. The the Godfather himself, Michael Heiss, returns to break the cycle to talk about what's going on with the Mises Caucus and the national strategy leading up to May and the Reno reset. That's going to be a lot of fun uh, for you guys who think you might come on and get to hear about drama between myself and Mike. I'm sorry that's not going to happen. Mike and I have made up. We are best friends again, and you will not be getting that side of things. Um, But it will be a good show. And then, of course, on Thursday, the makeup show with my good friend James Gentleman, based gay, host of the uh, Blackbird podcast, uh, Mises Caucus member and organizer from Minnesota. Great dude. Love him to death. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Go check out our sponsor, of course, TopLobster.com, the man, the myth, the legend, my good friend and partner on Break the Cycle, where you can get this great Epstein didn't kill himself shirt that you see me wearing tonight by using BTC at checkout for a 10% discount. Or please go over and check out my Patreon, my subscribe star, uh, or join the YouTube channel because I am traveling right now for conventions, for state conventions. I know I'll be in Florida at the end of this month. I'm trying to hit everyone I can. We're going to be driving up on my birthday weekend, March 13th, up to the Michigan convention in Ann Arbor. I'll be bringing the kids with me, so you guys will get to meet some kids that weekend. Uh, I want to make it to to uh, Nebraska. I'd like to make. I'd like to try to make it to uh, Virginia. If not, I'm going to be sending out some videos or or uh, audio uh, addresses for those states that I can't make it to. But I would like to make it to more states. So if you guys can help me out with Patreon or the PayPal which is paypal.me backslash joshua smith chair 2020 because i've not changed it uh since last election 
or, or you can join the Patreon, subscribe star and YouTube. You guys will be helping me out win this election. Uh, Ron Paul endorsed candidate for vice chair of uh, the national committee. So that will be a lot of fun. And of course, go check out our executive producers, anthemplanning.com for all your emergency and crisis planning needs. Check them out today. See what they can do for your business, home or personal life. They are doing a wonderful job that the government has historically sucked at much cheaper and much more efficiently. Seriously, go check them out. There is no members only show tonight, guys. I got some stuff to do tonight. Um, next time, Harris and comes on we'll definitely have an after hours but i want to bring him back on real quick for one second because i forgot to talk about something harrison oh he's eating look at him stuff in his face <laughs> are you uh you're running for lnc at large too right that is the plan right now okay but given how busy my schedule is just running for governor i don't know how that's going to end up shaking out because True. after working with pat ford a little bit on just this ballot access issue that we have it takes a lot of time to do the LNC job right. And it takes a lot of time to run for governor. And there's going to be about eight months of overlap, five months of overlap, yeah. I think. It is a lot, dude. So I, I'll tell you, when I ran for chair in 2018, I was running for state rep in, in Washington state. I dropped out of my state rep campaign to run for chairman of the national committee. So it's mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a it is a it is a big sacrifice at large. Not so much. Uh, but but definitely it's still there. I mean, you're still going to have to make the quarterly meetings. You're still going to have to pay attention to the email list. I mean, there is a lot to it. But if you are running for at-large, you will have my support. Oh, well, thank you very much. Okay. I appreciate that. Okay, brother. Well, hey, thanks again. I'm going to let you go again in this show. But I just wanted to bring you back up because that was something that I meant to address while we were on the show. We talked about food so much that the second we were off, I was like, all right, I, I got to go eat. Yeah, oh, I'm going to eat as soon as this is over too, buddy. Trust me, it's my day off. So, uh, But thanks again for coming on, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was great. Of course.